Hey everybody, welcome to Burke Reviews Movie Club. I'm John Burke, and with me as always is Corey Starr. Hello, hello. And we are uh, starting a new month. We are um, doing originals. These are movies that we've seen the remakes, but we hadn't seen the originals, or at least one of us hadn't, as the movie club premise goes. One of us must not have seen the movie that we are watching for that week, um, or in the future, potentially maybe a guest who's never seen a movie that maybe we had. We'll see what happens. You never know. Um, before we get into our review of this week's movie, which is Thing from Another World from uh, 1951, we're going to just catch up and then talk about what else we've been watching since the last time we recorded, which is almost two weeks because we recorded uh, on a Tuesday and we usually record on a Friday, so we haven't recorded for uh, like what, um, 12 days? I don't know. Math is hard. 13 days, less than that, 11. I don't, I'm really tired today. How are you doing, Corey? Same, and I don't know why I thought it was... I knew they were going to do this, so, like, we're really... We're kind of backed up with work and, like, orders and things that need to be done. And I was just... I ha I'm taking an extra day off next week, so I'm not going to work overtime because I wouldn't be paid overtime, and I can't use it towards my... using less PTO hours, so mm. why would I? So I knew they were going to wait until like today or Monday to offer overtime and they did today and I was tired and maybe I shouldn't have but I did anyway. Yeah. I today was my first like full day back at work. Um we had a training today. So between being out late last night to see a movie and then getting up early for the first time in a while and then it was just a training like it was a professional development and it's just I guess I'm used to being the active one so like sitting and listening like for eight hours just like wore me down and I drank I, I drank decaf because I knew I was going to drink a lot of coffee because I was going to be there but still I drank a lot of coffee like even as decaf I still had enough where I should have had enough energy and like right now I am I am dead um I am very exhausted I was even like I, Kathy and I went to dinner and just driving to dinner, I was like, I could go to sleep. And it's like six o'clock. <laughs> like, so that's the worst. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I considered taking a nap, but then like I'm like, well, that'll really throw me off. I need to get kind of adjusted uh, to because I officially go back to work on Monday, which is crazy that summer's over already. Um, it was a busy summer, um, and yet I feel like I didn't do nearly anything I wanted to do. Um, in terms for like work stuff because I always like with teaching you're always kind of working you're thinking ahead you're planning and I don't think I ever get as much done as I want to get done um, and so now I'm feeling kind of anxious and a little overwhelmed with the like oh god it's here like I wasn't completely prepared but I, I mean I always am prepared but I, you know I wanted to have things made that I haven't made yet and I'll have time to make them but it's still like I wanted it to be done so that it, work would be easier, um, and so far that's not the case. So, uh, yeah, today I'm just like really, really sleepy, but I, we're gonna power through this, um, and uh, you know, make a, hopefully a good episode. Um, although I have to say, I've watched a lot of movies this week, and it's making it harder because I watched uh, this movie, The Thing from Another Planet. Um, on Monday, and I've seen several films since Monday, so uh, I am like I'm hoping my notes are sufficient to talk about it or or whatnot. But um, in that note, or on that note, and in that note, uh, note of C, Corey, I'd like you to sing 
what you've been watching since the last time we <laughs> I would not subject anybody to that. But um, I... Um, so... I don't know if I'd already talked about it, but I finished Dead Like Me. Mm-hmm. And so I watched the movie. I don't think I don't think you'd watch the movie when we last talked, if I remember. No. Correctly. Yeah. No, and Bill thought that we had, but I don't think oh, we had. Oh, you've never seen it. Okay. Yeah, I I thought that maybe I had because it's been such a long time since we watched the show the first time. But um, you know, the I kind of liked some of the closure that happened in the movie, but yeah. You know, some of it I I don't know. It seemed. I know that it happened, like, five years after the show, I think, had happened or ended. So they, you know, I'm sure it was crowdsourced or, like, the fans were really wanting it and stuff. And so some of it I felt like was a little bit forced. But anyways, I also watched Stakeland 1, which I have seen before and I really liked. Um, vampire movie. Hmm. And it's on Shudder. Got it. And then... Um, I didn't realize there was a sequel, so that's why I rewatched the first one because it's been a while. And then I watched the sequel. And then Bill and I went to the theaters on Saturday and saw Toy Story 4. Oh, for the first time? Yes. Oh, I didn't realize you hadn't seen it. Yeah. What would you think? So I liked it, but I felt like they, like, I'm trying not to give, uh, it's not really a spoiler, but I feel like they, like, kept all the... Uh, pull your heartstring stuff for like the end of the movie. Um, I mean, I I don't know. I was it was tugging at my heartstrings the whole time. I have a lot of nostalgia for those movies and same. Um, I loved all of it, but I I do think the end in many movies. I liked movies, the end. Well, I mean, I think in many movies though, that's where you're gonna have like your climax, where it's gonna be Just, the most emotional. And, um, you know, they're not saying like because I, I feel like. Throughout the film, you should be, you know, feeling things, not necessarily tears, but stuff. And then, like, that end, um, especially how they choose to end for, is going to have uh, some major emotional tugging on those heartstrings. Man. Yeah, I love Woody. Um, and then, and I just, oh, God. Um, I've been watching unsolved mysteries again i've already watched them a million <laughs> times but i love them so much and i i work at home so on my first break i prepare my salad for my lunch and then for my lunch i just sit for 30 minutes and eat and watch unsolved mysteries so it works out great i have a lot of nostalgia for that show mm, i used to watch that a lot i haven't watched it in years um they don't they haven't made new episodes for years right like it's these are like all old reruns these are like the original with Robert Stack. Like one of the, I think it was the last time that I came to visit and I stayed with you guys. I was like, oh my god! One of the channels was like Unsolved Mysteries, and I was like, I can, I am down with some Unsolved Mysteries reruns. But they had remade the show and had a new narrator, and it's like, really? Who do you think you are? Well, networks, you know, they're gonna do that. That's sacrilege. No, I mean, get, you, get a new Think of name. all the game shows they've rebranded with new hosts. Like, uh, Wayne Brady's doing the Let's Make a Deal. Or at least he was. I don't know if he still is. I don't keep up with game shows much. But, you know, and that's an old game show. And obviously Bob Barker retired. Drew Carey took over. I mean, so, like, Unsolved Mysteries, it is a... It's, and how many iterations of America's Funniest Home Videos were there? They, you know, it started with oh. uh, Bob Saget. And then it was... Was it Daisy Fuentes? And 
some other guy who I don't remember, and then there was the other guy who I also don't remember his name. But you know, there's at least at least three different hosts uh, of America's Funniest Home Videos, and I think there was four. Um, I feel I mm, no, um, I just can't get behind anyone else but Robert Stack being the host or narrating, and like I love Unsolved Mysteries. My grandma and I used to watch it every night before bed with Rescue 911. Oh. Back to back, boom. Get scared, have a heart attack, then go to sleep. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> well. What have you been watching, John? <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so a lot. Um, the last time we spoke, I told I had a screening for the farewell the next day. Um, oh, yeah. And. I, I looked at the theater and found out they were also showing the art of self-defense. So I made it a day and I went, uh, I met up with our friend, big tuna, a uh, friend of the show. Um, and we watched the art of self-defense. That was Sean's third time seeing that in the theater. Uh, he was Dang. very into that movie and wanted, he, I think his goal was four times in the theater. So he's got, he has one more to go. Um, and then we saw the farewell. Um, I really like the art of self-defense. Uh, I just, I literally just posted my review for it. So if you're listening to this, it's been out for a couple days. Um, I posted my review for the farewell a few days earlier. Um, I like both of those a whole lot. Um, then oh, Imogen Poots in it. Yes. Oh, she's so good in it too. Um, I, the whole cast is really solid. Uh, it's got Sean. This is Sean's uh, description to me before seeing it. Is it's got like a Wes Anderson meets Yogurt's Lanthimos type vibe. Um, and it's not wrong. Um, it, it definitely has that kind of vibe too, especially like the dialogue's kind of monotone, like the lobster, uh, you know, where it's like everyone says exactly what they're thinking and it's like, no one seems to have a filter kind of thing. Um, I just go to Dogtooth and I'm like, ugh. I, I really like Dogtooth. I don't know that I really want to watch it again, but I thought it was a crazy awesome movie. I, I'm a, I'm a Yorgos Lanthimos fanatic, uh, at this point. I have yet to be... As, as disturbed as I've been by a couple of his movies, I, I love his films, especially his more recent ones. Um, but The Farewell, amazing. Uh, it didn't it didn't gut punch us. Uh, B- Brendan joined us, actually, for The Farewell. Um, so it was three of your friends, Corey, went and saw The Farewell. Um, we all really liked it. We have, like, nothing negative to say about it, except, you know when you love a movie and you have that, like, euphoric feeling at the end of it? Yeah. Um, like there's like an adrenaline rush almost you're just like oh my god that was so great that's what was missing like it was like want to like turn around and rewatch it right away the ones that you love and the farewell it wasn't it was there was like nothing negative but there was also like something just didn't click and i don't know uh for sure what it is um but i do think it's a very brilliant film it's very heartwarming um and it's not as sad as you initially thought because you thought it was like you were like oh it sounds like you're gonna ball your eyes out I was concerned. Uh, I did not. Um, it's it's actually a very touching film, though, in a lot of ways, and it's also very funny. It's it's there's some really good laughs in the movie. Uh, Aquafina, amazing in the movie too. Like uh, I don't know if you've seen Ocean's Eight or um, uh, Crazy Rich Asians from last year, uh, but she was a, a side character in both of those. Side's a little strong, and she's one of the eight in Ocean's Eight. But she's definitely doesn't get a lot to do in the movie by comparison to some of like Sandy B or Anne Hathaway. But um, she's so good in this movie, and she gets a chance to like be 
a real person because she's kind of a caricature in both of those other films I mentioned. Here she gets to be a real person and she is really good. I was very impressed with her performance. I won't do this for every movie. Um, I saw Tarantino's new film, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, I can't wait to see that. I can't believe you haven't seen it yet. Um, I know. I like told Bill I want to see it and he's like, mm, and that's when I get a new husband. I'm kidding. <laughs> I uh, I finished um I finished the Michael Mann filmography. I watched Black Hat, uh, which is better than I would have thought. Um, it's Chris Hemsworth. It's a hacker movie, but it's pretty good. Um, then I started, uh, because of the same podcast, if you're not keeping up with, I, I listened to a podcast called Blank Check with Griffin and David. Big fan of uh, their, their episodes, and I'm going through their back catalog, listening to the filmographies of different directors. And so I, I'm doing kind of, I'm not going through all of this director's films, but James L. Brooks. But I watched his first two films, Terms of Endearment, which I've never seen. Have you ever seen Terms of Endearment? Well, hold on, what? Terms of Endearment with yeah. Shirley MacLaine? Yes. I love that movie. It's a it's a classic. It won. It, it's his first directorial. It's his directorial debut. Wins an Oscar for Best Picture. Like it's that kind of crazy out of out of the park performance. Oh my god, I love that movie so much. I haven't watched it in a long time, but it was one of my mom's favorite movies. So I've watched it so many times and it has is it deborah winger and yep. jack nicholson yes and jeff daniels yes very good Corey. and then there's a there's a second movie that uh has juliet there Lewis, is a I sequel think, yeah, her, yeah. Daughter. yeah. Her, her granddaughter so good yeah well it's deborah winger's yes daughter. correct correct yeah. um man Corey, look at that i, I tapped a, a nerve i didn't know about well so i don't know if you like that movie so much you should definitely watch broadcast news which i bought the criterion last year and it's been sitting on my shelf for a year and i finally got to it and it's been one i've been wanting to watch holy cow that movie is so amazing holly hunter is so phenomenal oh, in like this her. film and then albert brooks is great and um oh, i'm gonna forget big hurt uh, will hurt william hurt is uh the other lead it's a rom-com um but it's it's talking about like the broadcast news which is an area i know a lot about it's crazy how much of some of like the satire really hits today it's not like network um where it's like that okay, kind of a darker com this is a rom-com at its truest but oh man it's so good uh i highly highly recommend checking out broadcast news then the next day i watched a thing from another world and then Corey, i embarked on a journey oh god i had a goal because a big movie came out this week do you know what came out this week i'm only concerned about what's coming out next week well what came out this week is Fast and Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw. And I had only seen one, two, oh, and three God. of the Fast and Furious franchise. But on Black Friday this year, I bought the Blu-ray box set of one through seven on Blu-ray for 20 bucks or less. I think it was even less. I already owned eight digital because I got it for like, it was in a package. I got like two movies for like 10 bucks or something. So I decided I was going to, knock out the rest of the, the franchise so i watched fast and furious and fast five and then the next day i watched fast and furious six furious seven and the fate of the furious and i gotta say Corey, i had a i had a good time with the fast and furious movies uh you can't take them seriously because they they don't take themselves too seriously and i will say when paul walker died i wasn't like happy or anything but i wasn't like devastated like so i i saw fast and furious fans who were like devastated over it and i wasn't i wasn't like I was like, oh, that is sad. It's tragic that he died um, so young. But after watching the movies, one, I do like Paul Walker. I don't necessarily think he's, like, the best actor in the world, but he's charming, and he's very likable. 
Um, and with him, the absence of his his character in the Fate of the Furious is so noticeable um, that I, I am surprised they are going to make a nine and ten apparently, um, as as at least is slated as it stands. But uh, I got to say, you know, I like the first one. I, the first one is a remake of Point Break. It's just instead of surfers, they're street racers. Um, it's beat for beat. This is not an original thought on my part. It's been said and written about many, many times. But it's it's pretty obvious if you've seen Point Break, the Catherine Bigelow Point Break, and you've seen Fast and Furious, they are essentially the same film. Um, but I like the first one. I don't like the second one much. I think Vin Diesel's absence is noticeable. Uh, Tokyo Drift, I vaguely remember. I was not into it. I was laughing about it more than anything. Um, but... So I finally jumped in, and I, I gotta say, I've, I've talked a lot of trash about these movies, and I do think some of my trash talk is accurate. Like, there is some really bad expositional dialogue, um, there, the, Vin Diesel's insistence on, it's family, it's family, it does get old. Um, it's like, yeah, dude, we get it, they're your family, we, we understand, just chill. But some of the action sequences are so well done, and, um, I like some of the characters a lot. They are, there are some questionable things that happen. Uh, fans of the franchise know, uh, like, at the end of 6, and then what kind of builds into 7, uh, especially after 7, because of a character change in 8 and in Hobbs and Shaw. Uh, it is kind of like, what the crap? But And then, um, so I watched all those in two days. I watched those uh, five movies. Then I got to see a, a movie that you're going to want to see if it if it comes near you, and that's going to be the, the, the challenge. I don't know if it will. Um, but it's called Them That Follow. And it stars, um, it stars technically the lead character is Alice Englert, Englert, um, but Walton Goggins is her father in the movie, and he's always really good. Thomas Mann from Me and Earl and the Dying Girl, um, and, uh, he's in a couple other movies, but that's the, that's his big movie before this one. Um, Olivia Coleman, who you might know as an Oscar winner from The Favorite last year, um, Caitlin Delver, who's in Booksmart, uh, are all in this film. It's really interesting. Uh, I found it very thought-provoking. I, I got a screener to see that, and I enjoyed it very much. Um, and then I went late last night. I went to the 10.05 showing of Fast and Furious Presents Hobbs and Shaw. And the first thing I'm going to say is it's 13 minutes, at least 13 minutes too long, because it's, it's 133 minutes. Uh, it's too long. Um, the last couple of Fast and Furious movies actually start getting over the two-hour mark, and I'm just like, guys, chill out. Trim a few. You know what I mean? Like, you don't have to have all of it. Um, but it's still, it's mostly enjoyable. There's some things that, it's way over the top. Like, it's bigger than any of the Fast and Furious movies, and that's saying something. Um, but it is, it's enjoyable, uh, for the most part. Especially if you like The Rock, or if you like Jason Statham. Um, and if you like both, then it's just kind of a treat. There's a few cameos that I won't spoil, but they are pretty amazing um one in particular is i was dying laughing um but it was fun fun times so sorry 14 movies since the last time we recorded Corey. it was a it was a busy two-week little period there uh essentially a movie a day that's impressive um, i was really proud of my like four well to be fair like with fast and furious i was like i'm like i'm not planning on like needing to see every second of these so i had them on while i was doing some other stuff but mostly was watching them and if like they they kind of pull you into certain scenes and then when i was like okay i'm good like when they start just droning on or it's like yet another family dinner scene i can i can look away you know 
Yeah. They they have a lot of scenes of them like having barbecues, but you know it's it's fun. There's some barbecues, y'all. Now, normally from here we jump right into our review, but I do want to do one more thing. Uh, oh, two gosh. major things happened this week. The there's a good one and then a warning slash bad one. On Monday, finally, after about well, I've been waiting for it for a year because I knew it was going to happen eventually. But for at least a, a month, I've been waiting, knowing that it was finally happening. Regal, Regal Cinemas, and they're not a sponsor, but I am a person who has to pay for his movie tickets. So I've been waiting for a true unlimited package that was close to home. And I've mentioned many times my local theater is a Regal. And finally, Regal Unlimited launched. It launched on Monday. Um, depending on where you are and how popular your theater chains are, uh, depends on the price per month. Um, but it's I, I think the cheapest is 18 and it goes up to like 22 or something like that for like the nicer with seats with like the recliner seats and stuff like that. Um, so I, I signed up for that immediately. Like I literally woke up, I had a text message that it had launched and I was signing up. Uh, and I didn't get to use it until yesterday, but I, I did. Uh, I did sign up immediately because I knew I, I've been waiting for this, um, and it's truly unlimited. You can literally go to. Uh, you can't buy multiple tickets at the same time. So like, you can't have four tickets for the one o'clock movies tomorrow because you can only go to one of the one o'clock movies tomorrow, and they, you can't share the tickets. But um, you can go to literally as many movies as you can fit into your day, a day. So if you can see right now four movies on monday and then four movies on tuesday and it doesn't matter if you already saw those same four movies you can go truly unlimited um for that that price and it's instant so you sign up and you can go right to the window because you use your phone to uh, buy your ticket you can buy the ticket at the box office for no charge or you can go online and use the app i don't like that they are charging a convenience fee to use the app um but at the same Isn't time, it only like fifty cents. It's only fifty cents, but like AMC A list, I've used basically every service that's available for us. Um, the A list doesn't charge you to do that, but they they require you to buy your tickets on the app. Regal, I kind of like that they're making you go to the box office to save the fifty cents because I like having the ticket. I keep my ticket stubs, so I'm like, okay, fine, no no big deal. And if there ever is like if there's a huge line or like I'm gonna probably pre-order my Star Wars ticket, I can do that on the app. You can have three reservations. Plus, you can still go and buy a ticket the day of. So, like, if you're looking for a movie that's coming out in a couple of weeks and you're worried it might sell out, or if your theater has reserved seats and you want to get the good seat, yes. you can reserve up to three movies. It can just be reserved, and you can still go get your ticket for whatever you're wanting to see. So, there are cool options like that. I am, again, big supporter of this service. I've been waiting for it. I did find out, I don't know the name of the company, but uh, Matt, who I do Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast, our friend from uh, the other side of the, the world over there in Europe, He's he was shocked that we don't have this already. This is something that most of the movie theater chains in Europe have. You have a subscription. You can go as much as you want. And apparently, uh, Regal was bought by a European company who does this already, and that's why this is finally happening for us. Um, I was told that by a Regal employee. Uh, I, I, so, uh, what were you going to say? Oh, I was also told that our Regal, I don't know if it, I don't really know how that works, but they took away all of our line cues, so I just get murderous. Like, just let me buy my ticket. I just want to get my popcorn. It's like a little mini shit show every time. Mm. 
So I don't know if you guys still have like the line cues and stuff, but we don't. What do you mean by line cue? Like this, the the little dividers? The, the ropes, yeah, oh, okay. like the ropes to be in line for stuff. Uh, so it's just like a free for all. I believe it's pronounced stanchions. Um, it's S T stanchions. S T A N C H I O N S is the little poles that have the ropes that hang on them. Um, I learned that when I worked at FYE actually, but because uh, we okay. had them, and I didn't know what to call them. Um, but. <laughs> Um, yeah, we don't have, but we don't, our theater is not busy enough usually for that to matter. Oh, I should note though, with the unlimited, you get 10% off concessions and a free popcorn and soda on your birthday, uh, which large. mine, large free popcorn and soda on your birthday, which mine is on Wednesday. I might allow myself to have a popcorn, um, when I go, I hope it doesn't have to be on your birthday. I hope they just give it to you and then it's on your card. Uh, well, cause... I would. Oh, I didn't mean to interrupt you, no, but no. I feel like it's probably how, because you have the Regal app. I do. I um, have two free popcorns right now sitting on Yeah, the, yeah. And they, I think that they are good for like a month. So I would think they would do the same thing. Probably. Probably. So I was telling Kathy, I'm like, we're going to have to go to the movies because I can't eat a lot of popcorn right now because popcorn is very carby. Um, so I'm like. It's so delicious. It, it is. Yeah. Uh, I, I do miss it. But um, the other thing, though, the bad thing. On July fourth, a... Movie Pass uh, went dark. Yeah, it, the app was everything was deactivated. You couldn't uh, cancel your account or anything. You couldn't see any movies, and they did tell us they were going to do that. So it wasn't like just randomly. Um, they didn't give us much notice, but they did give us a little bit of notice. Um, and everyone went crazy on Reddit. Like people were losing their mind that uh, they might try to rip us off. They might turn it back on and not tell us and then charge us and then close completely <sighs> um there was all sorts of paranoia about it and after cinemia i'm not surprised because cinemia was by far the sketchiest thing that's happened so far um and movie pass has done some sketchy stuff but at least they've been mostly straightforward with everything well so movie pass kicked on yesterday so <sighs> just a few days after regal launched unlimited movie pass came back so if you have a movie pass you can cancel now it still feels a little sketchy the way they're doing it. I did take advantage of it though, and I, I used it to buy one more ticket uh, before I got rid of it um, because they didn't charge right away. So I don't know if they're gonna charge for this month. The way the email sent out, not everybody's went live right away, and uh, it looked like they were gonna slowly ease in before they charged anybody. So I think um, you have a chance to cancel before they hit you for that $15 charge, but know that um because unlimited if you live near a regal or if you live near amc uh, regal is truly unlimited amc you only get to see three movies a week that's more than most people will see though to be real like most people are only going to see like one movie a week so the a-list is still better than movie pass and much more reliable same thing with regal unlimited there's no blackouts regals like they can if there's like a big screening they can they can limit things but it's not going to be like movie pass where they're just dropping everything <laughs> you can you can just watch this one movie that's doing horribly yeah you can see Gotti all you want um everything else is off limits and again you can see you, this unlimited I'm you know um cuz regal knows especially with 10% off concessions if you don't have to pay anything to see the movie that day you're more likely to buy their $6 popcorn and their $6 soda and you know what why not? Because it's an experience, people. I love going to the theater. It is my favorite thing to do, um, which is why I, I am an advocate for things like this. I hope 
the theater experience does not die. And I, you know, I was happy with the number of people at Hobbs and Shaw last night, um, especially because uh, one last little deviation. I am pretty sure I've won the summer movie wager this year for us um, because I, I have a huge lead before Hobbs and Shaw came out and Hobbs and Shaw just came out. And I think I was the only one who had a movie left. So I'm pretty sure I've won uh, decidedly like by 200 points or more, um, mainly because of I did win the uh, the bonus points for the end game. Um, and then uh, Toy Story and Lion King are both destroying box office. Uh, this summer and Aladdin did well for you, so like, you you're the the second like rank, um, but most of your most of our other selections and to be fair, I had a dud. Brightburn got me like four points, uh, <laughs> but Toy Story four did very very well. Plus was critically acclaimed, so I got a lot of points because of that. Uh, but yeah, um, just that throw that out there. If you listen to the top five movies and you know we did the uh, summer movie draft for the third year in a row. And um, it looks like I will be reclaiming my championship title. I got the first year, lost to Mike. Um, no, wait, did Mike win? Yeah, Mike won, right? Yeah, oh, yeah that's know. why we had to watch 24-Hour Party People. Um, and I will be winning this year. Uh, and Corey will be watching Boo 2. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I know. No, I know. Um, all right, let's get into our movie for the week. Didn't we already watch that trash? What, Boo 2? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we watched it. for Because Sean, that was for the Oscar uh, pool the year before. I would make everybody watch a movie that I truly love, like yeah. Welcome Home, Roxy Carmichael. I mean, I made you guys watch Hudson Hawk, but I do like that movie. Hudson Hawk is worthy of awards over Boo too. Oh, like I don't even know. I was like, oh. wow, really? I didn't think you liked it that much. But <laughs> oh, I didn't hate it though. The yeah, way no. that you and Mike you talked did. about it, I was like, oh my god, I'm gonna shoot myself in the foot. But I, I find it, it was to fine. be super charming because i like i really like and, comedic bruce willis and i could totally see myself having like i would have probably liked that when i was a kid so and that is where i my uh, uh love for it came like it's with most poly shore movies right like i don't know if i saw encino man today for the first time if i would love it like i do because i grew up son loving in law it. is still great son-in-law i haven't watched in a while but i loved it then and i might still love it now all right we gotta move on let's get into our review for the movie of the week um, again, our theme for the month of August 2019 is originals, and these are original films of remakes we've seen, but somehow never saw where it came from. So, The Thing from Another World, um, we have both seen John Carpenter's The Thing. It's a favorite of mine. I believe it's a favorite of yours, right? Oh, yes. I love I love it so much. And um, I, John Carpenter horror from that time period, I generally like i don't i haven't seen everything but i love the fog i am a huge fan of halloween like more than most people i really really like halloween a lot um and i love the thing and uh so going into this i wasn't i knew there's like a tribute to this movie um but i also knew it wasn't a direct remake uh it was more like thematically remade than it was like i'm gonna you know, shot. This is not a shot for shot remake that he did. So neither of us had seen the thing from another world from 1951. Um, it's directed, and this is the interesting. It's directed officially by Christian Nibby Nibby, but uncredited Howard Hawks, who is I think really the true director um, of the movie. But he did it all like he was I think a producer, and then he just stepped in and directed it. Is my understanding. I've not read much on this. Um, stars Kenneth Toby, Margaret Sheridan. 
James Arnes, Robert Cornthwaite, uh, Douglas Spencer, James Young, Dewey Martin, Robert Nichols, William Self, um, and that's, well, I guess there's only two more people, Edward Franz and Sally Crichton. Um, and James Arness is the, the thing, um, from another world, the big monster. So this movie plays out severely differently than, uh, Carpenter's. I mean, um, the main thing being that this one, there is a definitive creature that doesn't shapeshift does not shapeshift or in infect the people or whatever so it, there's no suspense of who who it could who be it? yeah uh which is what i think makes the carpenter one so masterful um as far as like that part of the movie like that i'm just like so engrossed in that that tension of who it could be and the, the fear that i feel waiting to find out you know and that anxiety because that's like I, the invasion of the body snatchers movies stress me out for that reason because um and they haven't done it officially but in captain marvel this year they introduce a, a marvel villain known as the scroll and they are able to shapeshift and in the comics they have done like secret invasion and things like that where um they have like taken over large parts of earth and you don't know who you can trust and that is one of my biggest anxieties that idea of like what if you know like what if what if everyone around you is like not them even the truman show where granted they're not aliens or something but they are all actors pretending to be family members or loved ones and uh best friends and like that's that's so I feel like they're invested in you yeah um, that that stressed me out. So I was a little disappointed that this movie didn't do that. No, no discredit to this film, obviously. I was just hoping. In some ways, it made me love Carpenter's more because it, it really is yes. Carpenter's. Well, I don't know if Carpenter wrote it or not, to be honest, but it is that movie's story. So I'm like, oh, that's even better because they just remade the, the isolation and the, uh, the location more so than anything else. But um, this movie does stuff well, though. I, I think it's still... Um, for the time, I think there's some really cool sci-fi stuff in this, uh, special effect-wise. Because, I mean, this is 51, um, like, this, th- I guess I shouldn't get into specifics just yet, because I don't want to spoil anything for people. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I liked it overall, and it wasn't as engrossing. And It's a nice runtime. Like, I'm not surprised that this was your pick, because it's, like, just under 90 minutes. <laughs> it's, like, 88 minutes, I think. That's... Not why I chose it, though. I know, I know, but I mean, still, like it is like, oh, look at that, <laughs> it's right in Corey's wheelhouse. <laughs> um, but I mean, I watch a lot of long movies too. Uh, Shining. Uh, true, true. We, Mike, and I give you a hard time about the the run times. Um, I know you guys do. <laughs> well, it's because you <laughs> you said something about it once. It's the same thing with the steel books. You brought it up once, and I know. it was like, <laughs> I know, and here it is. It's here to stay. But um, no. I, I liked it overall, but you did pick this, so what were your thoughts on The Thing from Another World? I enjoyed it. I mean, our whole theme this month and next month, it's going to be hard not to just to compare, compare yeah. to the... I think yeah, there's which, a lot of room to compare. That's, that's definitely part of the idea, I think, with this selection of the topics. Um, because that's... I think when you are familiar with... Like, we've seen especially the thing we've seen multiple times um this that's a movie we're intimately familiar with and yet it's a remake of something i think we, i think we owe it to the 
both to Carpenter and to Howard Hawks and Nibby to see the original so that we can make that comparison. You know, I think as film, yeah. you know, I, I'd, I'd say we're scholars at this point. We've been studying movies together for two years. You're welcome. <laughs> I've invested more of my outside time, but just for this podcast, you've, you've studied film. Like you've picked movies with the intent of talking about them in a bigger way than just, I liked it. I didn't like it. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. So in that way, we've been studying film for a couple of years and, I think uh, we haven't attempted this. I mean, we. I think we've maybe done this in the past accidentally or whatever, or maybe just like our curiosity. But we haven't intentionally said, "Let's set a month aside and re and visit those original movies based on things that we've seen and love." Let's see what the originals are like. And I think, uh, I think that comparison makes sense. I I didn't mean to go on so long because I kind of interrupted what you were saying. It, totally no. fair for you to make a comparison to Carpenters. I um, also did not know that this was that the thing directed by John Carpenter was a remake until a few years ago. I my uncle and I always talk about movies. Like he and my aunt go to movies sometimes um and he'll just ask if I've seen any good movies lately or if there are any movies I'm looking forward to. So we'll talk about movies kind of casually at family dinners and stuff and we started talking and I mentioned that I love the thing and he's like oh I love that movie too but he was talking about this the one. original yeah yeah so I like honestly until like probably two or three years ago did not know that that was a remake but um well and in Halloween uh Jamie, Jamie Lee Curtis's uh Laurie Strode is when she's babysitting uh the kids like let me watch a horror movie they put on the thing from another world I didn't realize that. Yeah, you see the text. Because he does use... The only thing that I think is a shot for shot is the, the logo of the words, the thing. Like, he uses yes! the same font. Yeah, and when it's, like, kind of lighting up or whatever it's yeah, doing. I love I was, that. Yes, I was kind of surprised. Um, I enjoyed this movie. The Thing, though, is one of my favorites that I revisit still pretty often. I just love it so much. Um, and I love... Kurt Russell in it so yeah. much. I, I'm, and, I'm kind of a Kurt Russell fan, which, by the way, I don't know if you know this, but he shows up in the Fast and Furious franchise. Oh my gosh, I didn't know that. He's, he's, um, I love him. He's very he hams it up like he's there to be kind him. of silly. Yeah, it's it's really it's really good when he's there. That's fun. Um, so I don't. It, this isn't going to be one of my favorite movies, but I'm glad that I watched it. And I was kind of surprised that like it's not a shot for shot remake. But I feel like he did keep a he changed some things, and I'm I'm really interested to know why he changed those things because I tried to do a little bit of research mm. today and yesterday. I've been very busy, but I wasn't able to find the information I was looking for. It was like all dumb. I'm just like, why? What? Why are you even writing this article? But um, I was surprised at the things that he did keep kind of the same, or you know. Yeah, I um. What's going to be different is usually I have, like, a lot of notes on specific, like, moments that I want to talk about, and I don't really in this one. I, I I don't know what it was. Like, I just wasn't, like, oh, my God, this character. Like, there was not a character that I was, like, really, really into. I mean, I don't dislike any of the characters except for, like, the the ones you're not supposed to like, like the Doctor or whatever. But, um, like, Captain Patrick Hen uh, Hendry was – he was fine. Um, I he liked, was my – 
most likable character yeah, in the he's movie. Yeah, he's the protagonist. Still. He's the one we're supposed to like. But, you know, I wasn't like, I wasn't like, oh, this guy is the protagonist for the ages. Like, there wasn't something that just won me over. Um, and again, there isn't, like, there's a clear good and evil here. It's not like in the thing from Carpenter's The Thing where you are debating who's the good guy. You don't really know. Like, I mean, obviously, there is a monster, and the monster is the bad guy, but none of the, the guys are perfect. Like, they all have... You're, you're doubting everybody, you know? And so, like, there is this intensity to it that I really get behind. Plus, I think where this movie and the, the Carpenter's The Thing share something though is i think they might have both been kind of revolutionary to the practical effects they could do at the time like i think by comparison yeah. carpenter's movie is so much more impressive but well you got to think back to this is early days of film this is in the 51 like some of the stuff they do is like wow that's pretty crazy i mean like the amount of fire they throw around at that one scene freaked me out i haven't read like if they almost all died but it looked like they almost all died like there was so much fire and that was definitely like 100 percent practical and i'm like guys you're just flinging fire around um i i wonder I, i'm gonna one thing we don't usually do this but i'm gonna scroll through the trivia from on imdb uh for this movie because this is one of those it's a beloved classic so i feel like a lot of people will have contributed like tidbits that they heard on like tcm or whatever um, mm-hmm. So I'm going to scroll through that when we get to spoilers and see if there's any like fun things like, you know, I feel like someone probably got pretty badly burned during that scene. Um, but is there anything else to add before we get to spoilers? No. All right, listeners. Guys, from here on out, we are going to talk about the thing from another world in great detail. You've been warned. Um, so... You know, there's a couple of things. I wonder if this film was critically received at the time. No. Well, it was not. People didn't. I well, did. Sci-fi movies in the 50s were often kind of laughed oh, at oh, oh. B-movies. No, I'm lying to you. I oh. was reading The Thing. It was not well regarded Got by John Carpenter. This oh, one, I'm that's insane. not sure. Yeah, I was like, oh, so here was my quest for knowledge. I wanted to know, because in in The Thing by John Carpenter, there are no women. Correct. Yeah, we have, yeah, we have a female. A com- computer voice that, that's a chess yes. that they play against. That's the only female in the movie. I feel like that voice but is somebody famous, too. It is. It's Adrienne Barbeau, okay. I think is her name. She um, is... A kind of a scream queen. Um, I'm blanking out now that she was in um, The Fog. She owns the Lighthouse radio station. Okay. Um, got it, got it. And she was in a Creep Show. But, or is it Creep? I think she's in the first Creep Show and she's kind of a jerk because every other movie I've seen her and she's nice and, you know, a likable character. Um, so I want to know why he chose to have no women in this movie because I, I feel like and also they're, the team is much smaller than in the original movie there are, I felt like there were so yeah. many more people in this original movie and there were two women well now what you got to remember too is that The Thing with Carpenter has a sequel that is just called The Thing it's actually, I'm sorry, sequel's wrong. It is a prequel that came out in, like, 2001, I want to say. 
Um, oh, I thought it came out after that, but I maybe could be wrong. I just recently watched it. I have not seen it, but I do know it's a prequel, and there is a female there. So I feel like that one That's... might be closer to what we watched because they arrive in our in our like in the thing. Kurt Russell's crew is going to try to find out why they're not responding to a radio call, if I remember correctly. Or whoever shows up. Somebody shows up. I know that I'm right. I just can't articulate anything because my brain is dying. But um, Yeah. Um, you mean in the beginning? Yeah, yeah. Like, they're arriving to investigate. The the thing is... Well, I'm sorry. We see the helicopter thing or whatever, but um, there was... Like, because the, the one... It has Kate... Beckinsale? Right? No, it has... No? The remake has Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Oh my god, I need to watch it just for that reason. Um, I mean, it's fine. It, it yeah. wasn't necessary, but I didn't like... Oh, and it has Joel Edgerton. Oh, I also like him. Yeah, yeah 20, so it's I It's 2011, mean, it, I'm sorry. It's, it's, 11, I was okay. 10 years off. Um, So I didn't, like, hate it, but I, I just feel like those were conscious decisions that he made to when he went to make this movie or whoever because i was reading and i don't think that he was originally attached that john carpenter was originally attached to direct that movie i think that i read it was toby hooper Mm -hmm. that directed texas chainsaw massacre big fan over here um so i just want to know why he made that change and so when i was looking for that information I found some stupid article about why, I mean, the person who wrote the article obviously didn't know that The Thing wasn't an original movie anyways, and then they were talking about how they were ruining it by bringing women into the 2011 remake, and I'm like, but there were women in the original one. I just wasn't finding what I wanted to find, but um, I felt like some of it was a little off-putting, too, for it to be like... 51 um just like that whole uh interaction between i don't even know her name and the captain nikki nicholson i'm assuming the character yeah like i just thought some of that was yeah there's some scenes that feel like a little a little too expositional like we're in the cafeteria for some reason and then let's walk away and then oh now we're in this room and it's like okay guys i know we're building but come on Let's move this along. Like, we don't need so much, like, hanging out. Yeah, or even, like, I don't know, um, because I'm not a prude, but just, like, some of their whole reactions, her tying his wrists and giving him drinks, and they've had encounters before, and I don't know. Oh, apparently the novel that this is based on, Mm -hmm. it's called Who Goes There, it is a shapeshifter. And uh, apparently they, the budget stopped them from being able to do it here. Um, so oh. According to this trivia, I don't know if this is you know accurate, obviously. IMDb trivia, take with a grain of salt. But this trivia says that, so. Um, but Interesting. I do think that the, uh, the remake, not the remake, but the prequel, looks like it's more in line with this one. As far as, like, them going, they find a flying saucer and all of that. Like, it seems more like that is more to the plot of a remake of this film. <laughs> Yeah, it, and it does, like, in kind of ends with them. I think it's the Swiss, like, coming into the American a lot, the American base, I guess. Mm. Words, yeah, guys. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, um, so, I, I just, I just love the thing so much. I, I thought, so some of the things that I thought was kind of 
interesting in the changes that were made in John Carpenter's is that this um, Crete, this Martian, I think that they refer to him as, um, the doctor is gung ho about wanting to research him and all of these different things. And then he starts feeding their blood plasma mm -hmm. <laughs> to the plant. Yeah, yeah. And they are talking about the Martian, like, also kind of doing the same thing. They have him, like, hold up in some room. Yeah, because, um, like, he's a plant. Like, he's not, he's, yeah. he's more closer genetically to a plant than he is to a, a human. Yeah, and so that way that they use the blood plasma in this one, and then how they use the blood plasma in John Carpenter's The Thing to, like, start testing them and, like... I think that that's what they start doing. Oh, he, mm, I think that the thing ruins their blood plasma, so they can't test it anyways. But, oh. um, yeah. I don't know. I think that it just doesn't have the isolation in this one either. And I think that them having a much bigger team definitely... I mean, and they're, they're uh... I don't know, because they, like, even going in, like, there there's, like, the whole secrecy and then bringing the reporter along. I thought that was very strange. But, I mean, maybe back then there, I don't want to say more visibility with the press because they weren't letting him publish anything. But, you know, maybe having some, them on There's location. a little bit of commentary on that, like, with within the film itself, you know, with him, freedom of the press and all of that. And, I mean, this is mm -hmm. uh, 20 years before Watergate and the... Uh, the Vietnam papers are going to be, you know, leaked into the paper, but it, you know, so you kind of see that like concern right away that like the press is important. I, I like that. I'm a big supporter of the need for a free, a free press in a uh, democracy. But um, it, I found a trivia that's worth reading. It is generally believed that Howard Hawks took over direction during production, and it has always been acknowledged by director Christian Nibby or Nibby that Hawks was the guiding hand. However, in an interview. Arnett said that while Hawks spent a lot of time on the set, it was Nibby who actually directed the picture, not Hawks. So there is a dispute about that. Mm. Um, I'm scrolling through looking to see if there's anything else. It's like really nothing about the fire. I swear that fire scene is so nuts because like they're throwing, you know, kerosene around like it's nothing. And they're in the building that they're going to be in. That's like after they do it, they're like, oh, I guess we got to move to another room because... <laughs> We've almost burned down half of the building. I mean, and I get why, because they're 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 facing death otherwise. So like, I'm not saying it's a bad move, but it feels like they maybe could have had a better plan. Um, and then I totally don't understand the uh, the whole like electrocution plan. Like, I'm like, what are they doing now? There's all these wires, and these things are gonna like when he steps on it, it's gonna shock him. And it's just apparently they create lightning. Like I mean, it's it looks cool and it's it's sci-fi, so I don't need it to like make complete sense or anything. I'm just you know, I was I like, it what's happening? Was pretty cool uh, that whole scene though, and it was like such a seamless, you know, transition to them showing us the pile of ashes. I don't know. I also I kind of was annoyed. Oh man, I'm so sorry. I was kind of annoyed that the doctor. The old like runs up to the monster and it's like i i hear me understand me i'm like why do you think you can will him to speak our language <laughs> like it's like i wish you could just walk up to somebody and be like speak this language and they'd be like oh sure why not so i don't know like 
Um, and a lot Did of his you... arguments were like super lame. I was like, "Come on, evil doctor, you sound a little too yeah. too serious." He... I thought as soon as that guy, whoever was watching first shift, like threw that blanket, I was like, "You dumbass! That is going to end up being the electric blanket." And anyways, why would you think that it would be safe to have an electric blanket with all that snow and stuff blowing around anyways? Um, did you see about veteran stuntman Tom Steele replaced James Arness in the fire scene? Steele oh. wore an asbestos suit with a special fiberglass helmet with an oxygen supply underneath. He used a 100% oxygen supply, which was highly combustible. It was pure luck he didn't burn his lungs while breathing in the mixture. Oh my god. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and this crazy. is from IMDb. Dude, asbestos is so bad. Oh, yeah. Um, um. Wow, apparently Ebert was very scared by this movie, according to this trivia. Yeah, um, you know, it's got a beloved past. Uh, if you, like, look at Letterboxd, uh, there's a lot of reviews on Letterboxd for it, and people, you know, rave over it. Uh, they talk about the cinematography because it's black and white. Um, and it does look good. I, I had no complaints with that. Uh, I thought the print that we have uh, access to digital was, was fine. Um, I don't think, like, if I had to compare, I haven't seen a lot of the 50s sci-fi movies. I've read about a lot. Like, I've read about the time period, and a lot of them were B-movies, and that's how they were being sold. Um, we watched The Fly, which will come up next month, um, uh, like, on this podcast, like, two years ago, I think. Um from the 50s and i i would say i i was much more into the fly than i was into this but i think because well i don't know because goldblum's the fly is amazing um and it's, it's not his movie he's just the star it's uh cronenberg's the fly is is so great yet i enjoyed the 50s one carpenter's the thing is so great and this one's good i i didn't dislike it by any means um but if you're gonna say pick one, I'm going with Carpenters. I, I I find it intense. I find it scary. Um, this one I found like I could see why maybe in the '50s you were scared, but I don't see like any adult who's watched horror movies being freaked out by this one. Mm -mm. I just don't think that it has enough atmosphere. It, it does feel like the the areas, and it's partly because of the the photography. I feel like a, a lot of the rooms are more. Uh, lit, like brighter than what we get in Carpenter's movies, and that again might be the, the equipment at the time. The film, the film stock required more light, um, and things like that. So that might have been the reasoning. Um, I, I, yeah, and the tension just again. I feel like some of the scenes feel very contrived, which low budget sci fi film of the time that kind of makes sense. Um, I think that it's so funny because sometimes when you're watching these older movies or older shows you can just see where they're like setting it up even physically yeah. for you when they first come in the reporter and the captain and they sit down at the table they like purposely sit at the you know upper corner and then we're like kind of sitting you know what i mean yeah yeah no for sure at and the... uh, movies do that today still but yeah like sometimes it feels natural and organic and it's not yeah. as noticeable and that's usually what I prefer. In a, in a sci-fi film, maybe you're you're throwing all realism out the window. This movie feels like it wants to be grounded um, because it is. That's what makes it scary. Is that this feels like it could be happening? You know, what if the Air Force found this you know UFO? And um, 
then there was a, a life creature. I mean, it's Encino Man. It, there's an Encino Man element to this, right? Area like, they 51. find a frozen guy and they thaw him out. Um, <laughs> Kidding. <laughs> and then he, he, you know, wheezes the juice. Uh, oh, God. <laughs> which is plasma, apparently. So, like, be careful. Um, if he's wheezing your juice, you're dying. Uh, but, you know... Um, yeah, I I have no major complaints about this film. I just I I also don't I don't love this film. I like it. I think it's fine. It's fine. Um, I don't see myself seeking it out again. But I did want to give it a prop, or a prop, I guess. Um, that whole part where his arm gets cut off or whatever the, the Martians. Yeah. Yeah, like that looked legit. Yeah, yeah. I I. I mean, the Martian, uh, apparently, uh, one of the trivia things I skimmed over, but I didn't feel like it was necessary to read, now I'm talking about it, but they said that um, there were close-ups of the monster, but they cut him out because it just looked bad. Like, And that was kind of my, I was like, the creature is not real scary looking to me. Like, he it, he looks like a costume. And yeah. it's 51, it's low budget, give him a little bit of a break. But um, especially, again, when you are comparing it to Carpenter's, which when there are scary things they are insane like i will never get over the scene of the guy's hands being bitten off in the tor- by the dude's torso oh. like, it is so insane like it is nuts um so like stuff like that like you just can't you can't match it in these two films and that's my concern with the 2011 version is i'm assuming one is probably all cg effects instead of practical and then um and- they probably try to go too big with this so stuff. I'm sorry. No, no. Um, this, something that I was reading about uh, the thing is I think that it had a $15 million budget, and he used like 10% of that on the effects for the creature. Don't quote me, but something like that. I think like 1.5 or $2 million, um, for that. And then uh, everyone the cast was getting paid fifty thousand dollars until they signed on kurt russell and then he was getting paid five hundred thousand i think wow that still seems kind of low for him but yeah although um, i can't think of when he really blows up as an actor like i don't he hadn't done what year is the thing 80 82 i think so that's before big big trouble little china that's before that might have been one of his earlier 82 is the thing but so i mean and again i don't know i i'm more familiar with like modern actors pay and modern actors pay is ridiculous um for it's like the a billion dollars yeah it's it's much more money than they would have got in 82 especially like in a low budget horror film oh, i'm wrong escape from new york is before the thing so he's done that and he's in some other stuff but nothing huge like he's like it looks like he's I on a bunch just... of tv shows died when i was reading that they thought that that it was kind of regarded as trash yeah which it's so that's insane to me and now it's so beloved but sometimes that happens you just have to find your audience um all right uh, if if there's nothing left for the 80 uh no sorry the 51 <laughs> hey i just realized 30 years oh almost 30 yeah. 82 uh i was 31 um right? yeah 31 um if there's nothing else let's give our our rating for uh the the thing from another world i'm gonna go decent watch (laughs) same all right that's our review of the thing from another world um we will be 
back with our theme of uh man my brain is really shutting down on me with uh, the theme of originals, originals. <laughs> jesus sorry <laughs> folks i am exhausted um and uh we are gonna be watching Ooh, it's a long one this time um, oh god it, i better start now it's infernal affairs which is uh the inspiration for martin scorsese's the departed um it's one i've been meaning to watch since i finally watched departed like four years ago and i have not gotten to it um i bought it almost immediately um it is directed by andrew lao wei kyung and alan mack and i apologize if i mispronounced that but i think i, I think i nailed it to be honest um andy lao tony chi wa lung i probably butchered that one anthony chow sang wong eric zhang uh kelly chen Sammy Chen, Edison Chen, those are spelled different. Sean Yu, I don't know who, who if I don't know any of these people to be fair, but uh, if you haven't caught on, it is a foreign movie. Um, I don't want to say which country because I'm not 100%, but uh, Infernal Affairs, um, highly regarded film. Supposed, many people argue it is better than The Departed, which I'm a big fan of The Departed. If I remember correctly, though, you've not seen it. No. Which is. I say it's like insane, I, but I hadn't seen it till like I, I started. I own this, it, so. but I've gone to watch watch it like a couple times. Isn't it like two and a half hours long? Yeah, and so is this one. So, <laughs> oh good gosh. Um, the, the original and the uh, it's this. Oh no, I'm wrong. This one's only an hour and forty one minutes. Why did I think it was longer? Okay. You know what? I think uh, you looked at the Departed and said that last time. Well, because we like were previewing this stuff, and I think I thought you were talking about Infernal Affairs. Infernal Affairs is shorter. So there you go. Um, but it's Martin Scorsese, so you should totally watch The Departed. Plus, Bird. it's Matt Damon and Leo DiCaprio and a very Matt Boston Wilson. Mark Wahlberg. Like, he is super Boston in that movie. Um, and he gets nominated for Supporting Actor uh, for that. But um, that's what we're watching next week. We'll be watching Infernal Affairs uh, again because I've seen The Departed, but I've never seen Infernal Affairs. Makes perfect sense to finally knock this one off my list. Um We'll be back with our review of that and what we've been watching. Until then, you can follow us on social media. I am at Burke Reviews, Corey. At Corey R. Star, two R's on the end. And if you like the show, please write and review us. It helps us get new listeners and people find our show. Um, and if you want to tell us uh, maybe a theme we should do next year, because we're starting to plan and map out uh, 2020, um, hit us up and tell us. But until next time, folks, keep watching movies. This has been a Burke Reviews podcast. BurkeReviews.com Do you like movies? Do you like podcasts? Or are you just lonely? If the answer is yes, and even if it's not, then check out the What I Watch Tonight show's filmtastic selection of podcasts covering the entire movie-verse as something for everyone. So come check it out. More details at whatiwatchtonight.co.uk or from all good podcast providers.